0: You're listening to the Faithful Career Moves podcast. I'm your host, Shelly Hunter, and this is a place where we talk to people who recognize the Lord's hand in their lives and specifically in their careers. Today, I want to introduce you to Debbie Bromley. For over two decades, Debbie and her husband Dave have worked with thousands of youth, producing a fast paced song and dance review. Patterned after their own experiences as part of the BYU Young Ambassadors program. The company is called Showbiz, and I estimate this power couple has worked with, I'm guessing, about 2,000 kids ages 5 to 18. They've performed at large venues, gone on performance and service tours, and have been instrumental in providing early training for some kids who have gone on to perform in college groups, television shows, and more. But it all started with a little group of teenagers, and even at its heyday, working with 160 kids in a single season, Debbie ran the program out of her home, allowing her to pursue a career she is passionate about while also taking care of her family. I asked Debbie to take us back to how Showbiz started. So
1: Dave and I met in a group called the BYU Young Ambassadors that you may or may not be familiar with, uh-huh. but it's a performing group at BYU and um they really are truly ambassadors mm-hmm. of a sort. And they tour internationally, and so we went on lots of of tours all over the world. Um, We had seven tours between us, I think, Um, you know, Middle East, all over Asia, just everywhere, two world's fairs. And we were performing both as college students and as paid professionals in some cases. But, you know, we just, we both kind of always knew that that was something we wanted both our kids to experience and then to allow other kids to experience it hmm. who may not have that opportunity, you know, in college or in other ways in their life because there was so much more to it yeah. than just the singing and dancing. And that was the key for us. So we wanted them to experience all of the other good things they could
0: learn through having that experience. Besides the singing and dancing, what is it you wanted the kids to experience?
1: In class, there's a, a lot of things that the kids were learning. Um, a lot of character building, you know, respecting one another,
0: mm-hmm.
1: teamwork, just like you would think of a sport. Yeah. It was very similar. We depended on each other. Having the courage to do things that were maybe outside of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. and that, that was something that, that we really focused on. Besides the things they were learning just in class, besides Mm -hmm. the singing and dancing and team building and all of that, we added another element, which was the service. And sort of our mission statement was, we believe in building the character of youth through the magic of song, dance, and service. Mm -hmm. And the service element was key for us. Um, because lots of times kids that are involved in the performing arts tend to be a little self-centered oh. and because the profession in and of itself is about that. you get yeah. very critical of yourself. You mm-hmm. are you know, always having people look at, look at you. Yeah. you know, it's a per, you're performing. And so our goal was to turn that around on kids and help them realize that their talents were pretty special and mm-hmm. God-given and that the real purpose of them was to help and uplift other people. I love that. So one of our goals was then to take them to orphanages, Mm -hmm. boys and girls clubs, senior citizen centers, Mm -hmm. um, wish foundations, Mm -hmm. those kind of things where they could see the world and use their talents in a different way. It was pretty amazing to watch a kid who loved to have the attention, lives for the applause. Right. To then go and instead of being on stage where you're kind of blinded by the light and the audience is dark, Mm -hmm. those faces are right up close and they were able to see the difference they could make in someone's life. We also took donations and supplies. Mm -hmm. When we visited, the kids would collect Mm -hmm. different things for the different organizations Mm -hmm. and that added another element. We'd usually stay and talk and chat so they learned those interpersonal skills approach someone and thank them and ask about them. Anyway, I get excited when I talk yeah, about I it. Yeah, I know. I but love it. But it was those were kind of the important things to mm-hmm. us. So mm-hmm.
0: you're in Young Ambassadors, you and Dave are the performers and you see this as something you guys want to do with your own family. So where's the transition between Dave and Debbie on stage and now <laughs> founders of this thing called Showbiz?
1: So we both had done, like I said, quite a bit of performing professionally and semi-professionally. Mm-hmm. But we realized you know, even outside of Young Ambassadors, even in the Bay Area, I had done commercial acting and some things early on, but there came a point where it wasn't really conducive to family life right? and for Dave with his career as an attorney, but it all started when his little sister expressed an interest. And it wasn't too long after we had been out of college and moved to the Bay Area, mm-hmm. And so originally it started with a group of teenagers for his little sister and okay. and her kind of age group So that went on for a few years. And then we realized we were having our kids, and it again became not conducive to our family life because we were having to leave our young kids to go. Yeah. Or they would be there with us. Mm -hmm. I I remember having Jacob in the swing, you know, at rehearsals when we were, (laughs) because we would do it in the evening when Dave was finished. So we thought, well, why are we doing this? Why don't our kids are old enough? We want them involved now. And so I think Josh was maybe seven. So our first group, was a group of elementary school kids Really, we put this little group together and it grew from there pretty soon Jacob joined the group but he was really on the younger end so we made a group for him and then (laughs) (laughs) we moved over to Danville okay but those two groups Mm -hmm. and then it just it grew from there around the age groups of our kids and in between More people wanted to be involved. It was a great social atmosphere for our kids and for their friends to be able to come. We
0: did not audition. We Mm -hmm. just wanted kids to come and experience and learn. What I heard when I moved to Danville was, you have to get on the waiting list of showbiz. In the rest of the world, people are on waiting lists for preschools. But showbiz had such a big presence that people told me that. And I thought, you know what? My daughter, she's so shy. Thank you for telling me about it. She will not do anything like that. And so I kind of discounted it thinking that wasn't for us. The second thing... I recall is like you said you don't do auditions. And so one of the really magical things I felt about showbiz was that everybody gets a solo. So Young Ambassadors right. is not like that. Business
1: in general is not like that. It can be a little cutthroat, right? So we wanted this to be a lot more encouraging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and for everyone gets a chance and and can learn and to do something that maybe they didn't think they could do. Right. Um, do something hard. I think we have lost the art a little bit of uh-huh. doing hard things in this day and age. If it's too difficult, we just we just quit, don't
0: right yeah we just don't do it. Well, <laughs> so. and I can attest to that because, like I said, Ali was so shy that I didn't put her name on any waiting list. And we happened to be there at the time. You had some couples groups, different age groups, and then you added a preteen or tween age. And one of the girls said, you know, just Allie want to do this. And I was like, there's no way <laughs> she's, not, she just will not do this. But I asked her and I think the groundswell of the other girls doing it is what made her say yes. Yes and it changed her life. I'm so glad she did. It's so fun to watch her sing, and I'm so proud of her. Oh my gosh. This is going to make me emotional, but it changed her life. I was shocked, like jaw on the floor at the very first performance that she actually had the mic in her hand and sang her little solo. (laughs) I never imagined she would do that. And now, as you mentioned, I mean, this is what she loves to do. Debbie, at the heyday, how many kids did you have in showbiz at any one time? We
1: had about 120 a year, six or seven working groups with mm-hmm. about 20 plus kids mm-hmm. in each one. Talk to me about the business side of it. How did that come about? So that's actually really interesting. It started because it was what we loved, because we wanted other kids to experience this. But all of my personal experience, and really it was my business, Dave helped in every aspect of it. He's an amazing technician and he, of course, is an amazing performer, mm-hmm. but he has a job. <laughs> he has <Right>. a career. <laughs> so I was in charge of this. So my background and all of my training was in the performing arts. Mm-hmm. So I knew a lot about that and I didn't know a lot about business. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So when I first started... That was an adjustment for me. It kind of evolved and I tend just to be nice, Mm -hmm. Yes, Yes. (laughs) play the nice person. So I had to learn good business skills. And it was in the beginning very helpful as a supplemental income Mm -hmm. as we were a really young starting out family, you know. So I had to learn to manage that side of it and it was a process and that was okay. I went from not requiring a monthly tuition to Mm -hmm. saying, oh, got to do this because otherwise my (laughs) income was fluctuating depending on who had a birthday party that they would rather go to that week during class. I had to sort of learn the business end Mm -hmm. um,
0: just by doing, you know. And logistically, I know you converted your garage to a dance studio. When did that happen? Initially, we had rented space
1: off and on, different places that we went. And again, found it not the most conducive with our growing family. So we just decided that we wanted to have it close to home. Mm -hmm. And we started out in the garage, Mm -hmm. (laughs) used to using the garage. And then we eventually added on to our garage and made a studio space, Mm -hmm. which was awesome because the kids could come if they needed something, they could come out. And as I had more people helping, Mm -hmm. they could come out and get help with their homework, or someone hurt their finger, I get help, (laughs) whatever it was. Um, I was close by, and they knew that, and it was comforting to them. And they were all very involved from the beginning, Mm -hmm. and they all had an interest in different ways in Mm -hmm. it, all participated, but they all kind of were invested in the idea of it as well. You also didn't do it all year round, right? What was the season? Right. So that changed, interestingly enough, depending on what was happening in our family. So mm-hmm. as our kids grew and you know, we had four boys, so guess what they all liked to do as well? They all liked different sports. Right. So you know, we started out year round and that was hard on not only our family, but I think all families mm-hmm. to maintain that for a long time. And so we decided to make it a shorter focus and some some seasons we did things at christmas and some we didn't but it kind of evolved to where we did january to spring and then we were finished when school was out okay and that's kind of in the end what worked kind of we had a pattern going Mm -hmm. there.
0: And at some point you brought in helpers?
1: It grew. I really needed that help. So we had leaders in charge, mother to father leaders in charge of each group Mm -hmm. that would handle a lot of the communication and help be there in class. Mm -hmm. And we had people that I brought in for choreography and extra help with the kids that way in in the creative aspect of it Mm -hmm. as we got bigger and as the, the older kids got older and, and really accomplished, and as I got older <laughs> as well, it really helped to bring in the younger dancers that could help keep up with those
0: teenagers. Right. And then each season culminated in a performance and a service tour, correct? Exactly. Okay. So, yeah, so we do a, a local performance
1: so that all of their family and friends could come Mm-hmm. And see the fruit of their labors, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we also would go on a service tour, um, sometimes locally or somewhere not very far away. Mm-hmm. And then we did do D.C., Hawaii,
0: New York, Florida—you know, all over, yeah. all over the place. The thing that amazes me so much is that the kids, some of them that did, were very, very talented, and they did go on to do more things. But a large majority—that was the most they would ever perform in their lives. Right. Some people are scared of public speaking. Public singing—that's <laughs> a big one. Solos. Like that's that's scary.
1: It it is scary. But you know, from the first day, I would talk to the kids and help them all realize that we were all on the same team mm-hmm. and that we were all good at different things and that we were going to be all trying things that were new and mm-hmm. scary, but that we were going to support each other. Mm-hmm. So there was no we didn't laugh at each other. You know, we were always encouraging and they bought into that from yeah. day 1. Yeah. And they were so supportive of each other. Some were great dancers, some were great singers, some were just Neither. good friends. You know, they <laughs> yeah. were they were very helpful and uh-huh. but you know what? Some of those kids had talents when we got to those service venues, Mm. where some of the performers maybe were a little more, you know, a little more hesitant. Uh Those other talents came out. And Uh. so they learned to appreciate each other for their individual talents. That's
0: um, interesting. And to accept their limitations, you know, as well. Yeah. And that's okay. Right. So what was the moment that you decided to sunset the showbiz program?
1: Our last son went through the program and had, had been out for several years.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I had had a back injury okay. for about probably over 10 years, honestly, mm-hmm. that I just kept re-injuring. And we were having grandkids Yeah. And Dave and I had been asked to help with uh, projects outside of showbiz, Mm -hmm. some things that were going on at BYU. We sort of knew when the time was right. And I'd gone into the doctor and he had said, you're how old and you're doing what? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to explain to him what it was, you know, what is it that you're doing? And so he told me that with my injury, I had to Take it easy for a mm-hmm. while and let that heal, or that my body was not going to be there for me right, <laughs> right, right. later on. Mm-hmm. And so that we kind of knew that we were going to need to step back for a little while. I still have been teaching voice oh, and okay. helping with you know projects here and there, so I've kept showbiz going. The idea of it, <laughs> uh-huh. yes. <laughs> As kids have come through, and there is thought eventually to maybe start something different mm-hmm. again reinvent it yeah um, for grandkids
0: when that time comes on a much smaller scale okay so your boys all four of them performed in showbiz they did you have all of them gone on and done more So
1: they all performed in college, um, three of them with the Young Ambassadors, like Dave and I did, and then our youngest, Jason, with BYU Vocal Point.
0: So I know you guys are musical, and some of that would have happened anyway, but do you have a sense that their success has been driven somewhat by this literal training ground they grew up in? Oh, gosh. I hope so, Shelly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was the hope, right? All of it. Uh-huh.
1: That they could do hard things, that they would have music as a lifelong sense of enjoyment and dance, and they would build those interpersonal skills, that they would have confidence in themselves, mm-hmm. that they would be able to feel God mm-hmm. in their lives, that they would enjoy serving people, and that that would be kind of a lifelong habit. Yeah for them. So that's sort of been the hope for all the kids, but for my own, in my heart as well.
0: What was the biggest leap of faith that you had to make?
1: Well, it's interesting they talk about faith because I feel like everything about this endeavor required it because when you have a group like this, you're starting to learn numbers for a show that won't happen until months down the road but right. you already have a venue <laughs> yes. you know, that you've put money down on. You've had invested in all this music. You have people on a tour somewhere that are waiting to see you. And so all of those things, the roadmap would be laid out before I even met with the kids, you know, the yeah. first day. Yeah. And so it was an incredible leap of faith every year. Initially it was very organic Mm-hmm. I think when you find something to do that you really love and that you really believe in, mm-hmm. like we did this, it wasn't scary necessarily. We felt driven to do it mm-hmm. and almost led to do it. That it wasn't uh, really about the money for us. Over perspective of the whole thing, the other things were a lot more important to us. But I mean, anyone who would have wanted to do that as a business, you can, you know, it can be done yeah. that way. So I think when you find something that you love and you're driven, it's it's less scary. But the faith to keep going year after year mm-hmm. and to make those plans and do that was, was just an act
0: of faith every time. Debbie, I know that the youth and the people who worked with you were tremendously blessed, but what was an unexpected blessing for you? Something you couldn't see for yourself. There were
1: so many things. The love of those kids, first mm-hmm. of all they become kind of an extended part of your family, you know? Yeah. I think anytime you serve anyone, you love them more. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the time we spent with, you know, crazy teenagers, who, <laughs> we were hoping we were hearing something we were yeah. saying <laughs> during, during class. Uh-huh. You know, gosh, you just love them. So that community, that sense of community,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I don't know that it was an unexpected blessing maybe not on the scope Mm -hmm. that it it has become and having them the kids feel such a part of that
0: community Mm -hmm. I, I would imagine if I had the ability to reach out and do a survey to all of them I think you would be amazed at the number of youth that you've touched on in a lasting way
1: I hope so. I hope so, Shelly. I mean, I've learned all those things with them along the way. Um, You know, we had a one of our jokes was being cheerfully flexible. (laughs) No, it's up on our wall still. Uh We have little things that I would say all the time. Uh, Mm -hmm. One of the years, the kids got the little vinyl lettering for some of (laughs) my mantras that Uh I would repeat (laughs) Uh that they would hear, and that was one: be cheerfully flexible. Because you know, you'd never know when, when you're on tour if your outdoor venue is going to be rained out and you're Mm -hmm. going to be crammed into a little tiny theater and have to revamp your entire show on the spot. But it turns out to be one of the most memorable Mm -hmm. experiences dancing with the families in the aisles, you know? It's sometimes when you choose to be cheerfully flexible, Mm -hmm. something amazing happens, you know, in return. And so that that was just one example, (laughs) something I hope they learned Yeah, that I learned myself.
0: So what advice would you give? You've already kind of mentioned it, but what advice would you give for somebody who wants to start, let's make it not performing arts specifically, but they want to do a business like this out of their home, that it's going to be some sort of a service class teaching type of thing. What advice would you give to somebody like that?
1: I would just say go with what you're good at. Start in a place with something that you know. Be willing to learn things that you don't mm-hmm. yet. There, there's always going to be a learning curve, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's okay to have it change and, and morph and grow as you learn. To mm-hmm. try something and adjust it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Just be willing to take a chance. Mm-hmm. I think um, it's it's exciting to be able to still do what you enjoy, and have the home life that you want, Mm -hmm. and even the possibility of including
0: your family in that process. I love that. What haven't I asked you about the business side that I should have?
1: The other thing we chose to do is to keep it a certain size. It had people ask different places if we would franchise, and we really felt strongly that we wanted to keep it Mm -hmm. small because a lot of it was so much of our ideology, right? Yes. That we didn't want that to change somehow.
0: You wanted it to stay what you had felt inspired to create.
1: Right. And what that is for each person will be different and what each individual is able to manage, you know, in their own personal situation mm-hmm. is quite would be different and that's yeah. okay.
0: Right. Well, that takes me to my last question. How have you seen the hand of God in your career?
1: In every way.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I
1: think I've seen the hand of God creatively in the shows we've designed and how we've designed them and how we've involved the kids in the tours that we've planned the people that we've met, the ability to recognize the hand of God in Mm -hmm. those things, and the opportunity to also let the kids testify through song and dance and even spoken word. And just my gratefulness for the ability to use, to be an instrument in the Lord's hands at times, you know, mm-hmm. different cir- circumstances, but it's really in every way, being able to learn the things I've learned on the business end too, because mm-hmm. that wasn't my natural aptitude. <laughs>
0: right, right.
1: But that that came and that I was able to see, oh, I need to do this. Oh, now I need to do this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As things changed, but really in
0: every way. I love that. Debbie, thanks for joining me on this show today.
1: Thank you for having me. It was really fun to relive and and to think about. And it's funny that you say that because we have been entertaining the idea
0: of what this – could look like in the future. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) On a smaller scale. Yeah, I've been thinking that the whole time, like what is Showbiz 2 going to look like? (laughs) That's exciting. I don't know yet. It's just (laughs) this little wheel that's
1: been turning inside me thinking we'll see what happens or if the Lord takes us in a different direction.
0: Ever since I had the idea to start this podcast, I wanted to interview Debbie because I'm very interested in finding actionable at-home businesses or side gigs that have been successful, and showbiz by any measure has been a profitable financial venture, though I for sure know they never charged what they should have. But in talking to Debbie, well, it's clear to me that the money wasn't the driving force behind this business after all. What stood out to me is how much the Bromleys had to adjust the business as interest grew, their family grew, and their goals evolved. In the business world, we would call this a pivot. As I started to add up the pivots Debbie made, well, funny enough, for this dancer, it might look more like a pirouette or some other type of a dance move. And it's no surprise that one of her mottos is being cheerfully flexible. So here are some of the pivots I noted. First of all, she changed her professional career when it was not conducive to Dave's career. She started with a little group of teenagers and then pivoted that when she had small children. Then they pivoted again when they wanted to add their younger kids into the showbiz platform. They grew into more groups. They had rented space and brought the business home. Debbie changed it from a year-round program to a seasonal program. They had to adjust the way they charge for the business. Are you dizzy from all of these pivots? Me too. But I hope you see that starting a business like this is all about trying something and making adjustments. Like Debbie so humbly admitted, she had all the talent and ability needed to teach song and dance and performance, but she did have to learn the business side of things. That's all part of learning. Don't let fear stop you from taking a leap of faith on your own if that's what you feel driven to do. Thank you for joining me on the Faithful Career Moves podcast. It's my hope that listening to this episode will inspire you to think more broadly about how your career and your spiritual journey intersect. If you like that idea and want others to have a similar epiphany, then please share this podcast on social media, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts, or leave a comment on the website. Doing so will help others find this content as well.